I remember I was talking to my sisters and I was like, do you ever think that you had another life? And my one's like, no, I'm an atheist. This is it. That. (laughs) And so she's, she's fun. And then the other one was like, I don't know, maybe I'm open to all possibilities. And I was like, me too. And so that's, that's, I guess, you know, that's my say. That's your segue? I thought you were going to. Young SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> it's the sexy voices tonight. It's hot. We're hot. Yeah, both of you are like sweating. <laughs> you know, literally, I I would like to think I'm dewy. <laughs> right. I'm just hot. Right, you have a dewy. I, we have an excessive heat warning where I am, and it is it is eight o'clock, dark outside, and it's still eighty nine degrees. I want to see what the temperature and is. and humid as fuck. That's pretty damn hot. And tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow it's going to be ninety eight. Sorry, yes. no, no. Today it was ninety eight. Tomorrow it's going to be a hundred. A hundred. Why? Look, it's 83 here and that's bad. Well, no. speaking of, <laughs> of weather, because uh, I do want to talk about this. Well, I, as you'll, I've, I missed two weeks of podcasting because I was in London. dare you? I know. And I really did miss you guys. Like, I. We missed you well, too. I, I not only missed podcasting, but I miss like talking to you on a, on a more regular basis. Um. But before I left, I messaged Sarah from Afternoon Asks, and I was like, it better be cold there, because London London better bring me the rain and cold, because I am absolutely tired of this heat wave. And then we go to London, and it's like a week of like 80 degrees, and I'm like, why? <laughs> I did notice where's your pictures the... were like very sunny, you're wearing shorts, like. Yeah, where's the rain I was from? Where is the rainy gray weather that i was promised um but i did uh have a really fun time obviously we did tons of stuff but i want to talk about how i met sarah from afternoon asks and heather one of our patrons um so we went to sarah set this all up which was like really awesome of her um she's like let's meet for like bing and then let's go have korean barbecue and i was like sounds great so she gave me the address and i went to um, it's like a southwestern London town kind of so out of like London proper I guess I would say I don't know Sarah's probably like Megan you don't know what you're talking about so sorry Sarah but it was a town called uh, New Malden and I, as soon as like the Uber drivers like driving us in I was like this is clearly like a little K town it was really really cute um, a lot of Korean restaurants and things like that and Sarah then informed me that there's a Samsung factory nearby and that is why and i was like i didn't even know that so um so we went and we had bingsu which obviously i've never had before which is kind of like a shaved ice ice cream combo um is there re- and... is there a red bean was there red bean in it so not this one okay there is there was a red bean they're always bingsu. eating it with red bean in k-dramas right and a woman right next to us is eating the red bean mm. bingsu but i had my daughter with me my 10 year old daughter hazel and we let her pick the flavor so of course she picked oreo <laughs> <laughs> so we had oreo bingsu and then we um 
they had like a photo booth. It just felt so like fun. I felt like I was in a K drama, like taking mm-hmm. these like photo booth pictures. And um, then we went to this Korean barbecue place, which again was in like the same town. And first of all, the conversation with Heather and Sarah, I mean, I've talked to them both over Zoom, but I've, I haven't met them in person. And it was like, I didn't feel like I was meeting them for the first time in any way. Like, I was like, oh, like the conversation was just like old friends getting together and chatting. Like, I, I could have like spent the night with them and still had more stuff to talk about like the entire next day. It was just so comfortable and fun and it was so nice of them to like you know welcome me to london um but we had uh korean barbecue and sarah ordered for us so i got to have cold noodles which i've never mm, had before. how was it so have either of you had cold noodles no before? i've been wanting to though because it's hot so yeah it was a really interesting flavor it was different not what i was used to it um i liked it there was like a good amount of like the seaweed on top um so obviously, like, the seaweed obviously gives it that, like, kind of fishy taste. So it was like a cold fishy taste, Yum. which is, like, fine. It's just obviously not a, it's not, like, from my, like, Western, like, boring Pennsylvania palate. It was not kind of like a flavor I was used to. So I think, like, I just kind of had to get over the fact that it was, like, a cold fishy taste. Um and then I did like it. I mean, the noodles were great. It had, overall had a good flavor. One thing that she ordered was blood sausage. And so... <gasps> did you try it? Because I've been wanting to try listen, it. Listen. So I thought I thought blood sausage was like so, just sausage. Like that was, I don't know, blood heavy? I didn't know. I don't know. But I thought it was meat. You thought like, there I was thought like blood... meat with like blood mixed in it? Sort of. Maybe like blood pockets. I didn't know. I, I clots, def- just clots, <laughs> yeah. like I a blood know. bag from like Vampire Diaries. They just shove one of those in there. Oh my god, blood bag. I definitely thought it was meat. Okay, and it wasn't. No, it it's, it's rice that's like soaked in blood yes. and then like wrapped in a casing. Yes, and I was like, oh well, <laughs> I had no idea that's what it was, and I love the flavor because oh. it kind of has that like. It kind of has, like, a meaty, like, that umami mm-hmm. flavor, but it's rice. And it's, like, in, and it's, like, easy to pick up and eat. And I actually, like, freaking loved it. Like, I was like, okay, I can see how you would have, like, a blood sausage truck and, like, order that as, like, street food. I would totally do We that. talked about this in one of the pods while you were gone when we did our banter pod. And, yeah, like, that's one of the things I'm like, I didn't know for. that's what it was either. I had no idea. So, um. I thought it was meat. Like, I thought it was meat, too. I didn't think there were pockets of blood in it. I don't know what I thought. Okay, I really don't. I don't know what I thought. I'm just willing. I, like, you I just picked everything. it up with your wet meat sticks and you ate it. <laughs> yeah. So my family, um, like, you know, we're, we are like, you know, most of you uh, migrants in some way. Well, I mean, all of us in some ways. Um, and so one of the like lineages of my family is German. And so blood sausage was a big part of their culture too like you know german culture has blood sausage um and my mom really like has like shied away in her adulthood and like in raising us with like the kind of stuff that she had when she was little that she doesn't like identify as delicious so she did not like blood sausage therefore 
I never got to try the German blood sauce sausage she grew up on. Just like she won't eat game meat, which is really interesting to me because now game meat's like very trendy. Like Mm -hmm. venison and elk. Like for her, that was dead deer hanging like, you know, in the foyer of the home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm all about, I really, really want to try it. I want to have Sunday soup and I just want to go to like street carts and get little, uh, little toothpicks and nibble. Yeah. It was really good. So my daughter tried it. Um, I was actually, she, she tried everything. And actually it was really nice because Sarah and Heather were like, your daughter's being so good. She's trying everything. And she really did. She tried everything. She didn't like everything, but she tried everything. You know everything. what? That's all it is. It's just trying things out. Yep. Yeah. And um, then we ordered rice wine because as soon as we walked in, Macaulay. I saw, yeah, Macaulay or I don't know if I could say it right, but uh, some people were eating it out of like the little like bowls. bowls. Yeah. That's how you drink it. Yeah, and so I was like, I clearly want to do that. And Sarah was so cute because every time I would, like, do something, she'd be like, let me take a video of you. Like, she was, like, so good at, like, documenting proper, like, social media. And so um, Sarah didn't want anything, so just Heather and I were sharing. And at the very end, I I mean, I had had a lot of rice wine. I was, like, full. I wasn't really paying attention. I just poured the rest of the rice wine into my bowl and didn't offer any to Sarah, to Heather. And I felt like such a jerk because I was like, I'm sorry, because I just finished the rice wine and didn't even offer any to you. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. But I felt like. Yeah. What's she going to say? Good job, greedy. Yeah. She should have been. She should have been like, thanks a lot. Yeah. No, she's going to make it. It's fine. It's fine. Fuck you, Megan. Okay. I can teach like both of you about manners because (laughs) Leah for two weeks has not been able to end the podcast with like a thank you and a goodbye. (laughs) She's just like, I'm young. Click. (laughs) I know. And you are greedy with the wine. Greedy with the rice wine. I know. She what really kind home. of co-hosts have I raised here? She really went home to her family and she's like, well, that bitch drank all the wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so Heather was awesome. Sarah was awesome. They were just really, Aww. really fun to talk to. I'm and it so was just... jealous. I'm I, like that. Your I pictures mean, made me so happy, but also so envious. <laughs> I felt I felt like I like I felt like my cheeks hurt when I went home because I had been smiling so much. Truly, yeah. And I ate a lot, but I really, truly was like. And you drank all the, macaroni, and I drank all the rice so. wine. Yeah. Um, I took an Uber home. No worries. Even though I was in a foreign country with my daughter, <laughs> no, I didn't drink that much. But um, yeah. Anyway, it was a great time. Um, but I missed you guys, and I was obviously not able to like watch K dramas because I would like pass out at the end of every day because we were so busy. Um, so it did feel good to get home and kind of like get back into my K-drama watching ah. schedule. Well, we're happy yes. to have you back. Thank you. I missed you guys. Missed you too. <laughs> and so th- I'm trying to think of like, how are we going to segue this one? Yeah. What's the segue, man? Because this was I not mean... your first time going to England. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, but if I could maybe replay my first life, I would still choose to go to London. I don't know. I mean, in pff, not long now, like six weeks, I'll be going to Seoul for the first time. I'm That's so excited I know, for that. So jealous. Like, and so, so jealous. jealous. And Seriously, both of you. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a little anxiety, not for travel, but because it's so short. That I just have like decided that I need to not sleep and only do... All the Crazy. things. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> um, I'm only there six days on the ground. It's so fast. Right. So, because, and yeah, 
I don't know. I can't segue it any better than that because it's my only life, first life, a life. I actually, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I, um, I spent the weekend in Oregon visiting my sisters and I haven't hung out with my sisters alone, especially with that. So two of us have spawned. One has not. And, but we have not hung out alone, just the three of us without any other family member or any children or, you know, a brother or a parent or anything. We haven't done that. I could, I mean, I don't even know ever maybe, or in a very, very long time. And so we decided to do it. So we all met up in Bend and, you know, we had a good time. We did some stuff. Look. I am exploring psilocybin. <laughs> I just want to put it out there. But we also did a float on the Deschutes River. And while we were on the float, which I really love to float, and I haven't floated in a very long time on a river. And so I was definitely, like, enjoying it, even though it was smoky. And I remember I was talking to my sisters, and I was like, do you ever think that you had another life? And my one's like, no, nah, I'm an atheist. This is it. That. And so she's she's fun. And then the other one was like, I don't know, maybe I'm open to all possibilities. And I was like, me too. And so that's that's I guess, you know, that's my say. That's your segue. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna pull a Barbie and be like, Have you ever thought about dying? dying? (laughs) Oh, actually, okay, okay. This is actually a funny story, then we will go. Um to the next bit, which was I did think I was dying. And so there's a part of the river where you're going along. I mean, this is very mild. There's chill. There are infants in (laughs) tubes. And you go up to this part that's the rapids. And my sister was fucking with me and it was working. And so she kept being like, you know, we got to get over here for the rapids and we got to move over here. And she was just totally messing with me. Like, we got to go around this buoy so we enter the rapids right. And then right before we get to it, she had this like, I'm not going to spend much time because this is actually horrible and I don't think it's anything to use for entertainment but she was like there is there's a section that is expert only and there's like signs in the river that are like don't go this way unless like you're going to like expertly navigate these rapids that is not me in a fucking inner tube on mushrooms let me tell you right now so um she's like (laughs) she's like and someone died here last year in that wave. There's like a surf wave where you can like get on a surfboard and kind of do like a static wave or whatever. And she's like, someone died last year. And I was like, okay, well, that's not the news I want to know, mm-hmm. nor do I want to go down that way. Mm-hmm. So I was very focused. Like I need to go the other way that is not the way that I could potentially die. So I got hyper paranoid <laughs> And she had a paddleboard and I was in like an inner tube. So I was like clinging to her paddleboard for dear life. But I ended up backwards. So I'm going down all these rapids backwards. Just <laughs> oh, hanging no. out. In my panic on the last rapid, I did knock her off. So she goes flying off her board. Her bird goes flying. And it kind of like sets me going at a diagonal pattern where I crossed over into like I started to get to. I was like into wrapping around rapids. into the scary side. <gasps> And I was like, oh, 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 no. And I'm like trying to paddle out with like my little T-Rex arms. Like, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> I couldn't. So I aborted. I was like, fuck it, I'm out. And I just rolled out of the tube. <laughs> Good job. And I like started like, so then I stood up and it was like to my thighs. <laughs> 
my sister's like, get the <laughs> my sister's like, get the inner tube, and it's like gone off into like this like freaking like river wave and it's like spinning around turning around and then an actual child like a little child who was probably like eight who was over playing on that side came over with it and i was like (gasps) (gasps) and you're standing like you're standing to my knee maybe to my knees (laughs) oh my god and I was like, oh, my God, I can't. I'm done. Ah, ah. And so, yeah, I, I really felt like I went through, like, an almost death process. Oh and I was like, I will not choose that today. That is not the journey today. I'm going to jump out. <laughs> and fuck the tube. Well, let me just tell you, I was full fuck of the metaphors tube. the entire way. And that mm-hmm. I did... I did put a hole in the tube and it was leaky <laughs> so that I had to get on my sister's paddleboard and ride it with her. And we had to just pull the sad little like deflated <laughs> tube with us <laughs> the rest of the way. Get a tugboat. <laughs> but that means- so you had to be that person to climb out of the rapids with a limp tube. <laughs> and limp tube. let me just tell you, there were, pr- because it was hot. They were probably, oh I mean, this was not like, I grew up, or I didn't grow up. I went to college in Montana, and we would float the river, and it was like, there were people around, but often you had like a big part of the Blackfoot River by yourself, and it was kind of wild. That was not what this was. There were hundreds of people. And so when I threw myself off, I was not alone. <laughs> I was like in a crowd, basically like jumping on someone else. So, oh okay. So that all being said... I did talk okay. about first lives, and that was my segue. All right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to kick us off into this, and then we will see okay. where this takes us. So we are talking today about because this is my first life. And the reason we're talking about that is because I have still not, not watched and may never watch <laughs> See You in My 19th Life. So, sorry, but... We're doing because this is my first life, because we have all watched that. Amy does her homework. So Nam Sehi, who is played to perfection by My Liberation Notes, Eamon Key, is a regimented single man in his 30s. He has chosen not to marry, is not close to his family, and really, really loves his cat. He owns his home, but owes a lot on his mortgage. So enter broke Yun Ji Ho. She's played by our Alchemy of Souls boo, Jung So Min, and she's a broke writer who doesn't have a room of her own, let alone a house. Not once her brother slash roommate announces that he's getting married and starting a family. Through a series of unfortunate or potentially fated events, Yoon Ji Ho begins to live at Nam Sehi's house. They agree to a marriage of convenience by signing a contract of two years, wherein they agree to the terms and conditions of only being landlord and tenant, sharing their home based on common goals and values. Things do not go as planned when the housemate's pact of platonic platonic cohabitation clashes with their personal trauma, social expectations, and familial interventions. The series also follows the lives of the friends of Sehi and Jiho, and their different perspectives on love and marriage. Written by screenwriter Yoon Nangjoon, Because This Is My First Life, released in 2017. Yoon hasn't written anything since, at least nothing credited on Asian Wiki. They had a few other earlier dramas. 
Hogu's Love in 2015, The Queen of the Office in 2013, and Cool Guys Hot Ramen in 2011, which, yeah, I was I like, love that, title. That, that interests me. This drama has a controversial ending, which we will discuss in the spoiler section, but let's be clear, this is a romance, and it has an H-E-A, or Happily Ever After. There was also a bit of a scandal that this drama borrowed from a Japanese drama called <laughs> We Got Married as a Job. <laughs> the titles of these. The lead in that is an awkward guy who works in IT. There is a marriage of convenience and a quirky heroine. In the end, feels like a bit of a hoopla about nothing as the stories seem quite different. So, first question. Have you ever written something that ended up being darn close to something else? What was it and what happened? I asked this, I was just going to say, I asked this because I was curious, like, when they hadn't written again, I'm like, oh, did, like, the scandal hurt that? Like, I was just curious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, there's the saying that there is no original story. Like, something is always borrowed from something. And this literally just happened to me with my agent because... Um, I'm currently writing a story with what I call my Ted Lasso hero, my Ted Lasso inspired hero. So I purposely borrowed and had my hero be a college football coach who ends up coaching high school soccer. But it's not because he's a sought after coach, but rather he gets in trouble with the media and is suspended for a year and coaching soccer at his high school alma mater is his last resort. This idea has been brewing for years, but this book is later in my contract and won't be coming out until next year. So this is all just to say that literally the week that the movie Dream with Paxa June dropped on Netflix, my agent saw the blurb about it and texted it to me. Like she just texted me the blurb and said nothing else. And I'm like, I know why, I know why she's texting this. If you don't know the dream premise, Pak Sejun is a soccer player who gets in trouble with the media and has to boost his image, so he is sent to coach Korea's team for the Homeless World Cup, and we did a podcast on that. I texted my agent back and told her, yes, I watched this movie the day that it dropped. The only similarities is that they both get in trouble with the media and have to boost their image, which is a huge sports trope to begin with. They don't do the same thing to get in trouble. The move is not, or sorry, the movie is not about a guy coaching a sport he doesn't know. And Dream has zero, we are talking zero, folks, romance. Where my book has a soccer player and fan, sorry, my book has a soccer player and fan heroine who teaches the hero the ropes. The end. So I'm still writing the book. I'm still doing the soccer. <laughs> Good. So I'll just to say I'm not changing it because, like I said, there's there are no original ideas. Everybody's borrowing from somewhere. Yeah, I'm heavily inspired by things I read and watch. So I'm always kind of taking, yeah, like little bits and pieces of things I watch and kind of reworking them into something new, which I think is what all writers do. So I don't think what I do is like unique yeah. or anything. I will say like if there was a big public controversy where something I wrote was – like compared to something else you know like i said like publicly like that that would be really that would be really hard really for really sure hard so i don't want to get into like the weeds with this story um but i did have like an uncomfortable situation that both of you might remember it was impactful for me personally where i had a book that was set originally in montana and eventually became the book called last worst kiss 
And when I turned it in, my agent or my editor was essentially like, you know what? I actually feel like we have a lot of Montana books. Like, can we set it somewhere else? And so I I was like, okay. I'm like, oh, where else? And I'm like, well, what about Eastern California? Like, you know, I just went on vacation there. It's ranchy. And I was like, how about I do like a fictional town in Eastern California? And she was like, great. So um, I did that and they accepted the book. And I had a friend who had been writing for a different publisher, different books, different, like, I mean, and this is where, again, like, there's similarities and there's differences, right? Like, cowboys or Western books are Western books, right? But, like, I had somebody who was basically like, oh, I've set a book there, too, and I actually feel, like, upset. You've set a book in this geographical region, too. And... It was difficult because it was a friend and I was kind of like, okay, look, if there's, I'm like, I was like, look, I didn't steal it. And like my book is very, like I write so differently from you, nor is our book, like our books have nothing in common except for like, I set mine in a fictional town in this rough geographic area, but they felt very strongly about it. And I'm kind of a pussy. So I was like, look, I will go back and ask if I can change it to I don't care like I mean I value friendships and somebody was being upset and I was like I don't know what to do so I was like I will write them back and see if we can set it somewhere else and so I wrote back and was like can I move it to like Idaho and they were like actually no they're like we decided this together like we are fine with this we want it here and basically like get a pair and tell them no and like we're not gonna like we don't approve these changes we are like we're going as is so I came back and was like Everyone's feeling good about it. And I just like, again, to reaffirm, these are very different. Our readership is going to be very different. Our stories are very different. Like there's really not crossover. It ended our friendship, basically. And it was really not ideal for me. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like I have to like, like I, I knew I hadn't taken someone's idea, basically. And I knew how the circumstances had worked and I tried to articulate them and I was just really surprised. And um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm going to leave it there. But it was. It was. It ended up being something where somebody else felt really like I had like kind of like encroached in their area. And again, to reaffirm, nothing about the plots were the same. It was just set in the same rough geographic, like ranchy area of California. And that's where we are to this day. It sucks. Yeah, that sucks. It so sucks. for somebody, I may be a villain, and I have just had to make peace with that because I was like, I really didn't do anything wrong. Ugh, but that's so hard. anyway, so that, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, also, like, I could see how somebody, because when it happened, I was kind of, I was quite agitated because even though I knew it wasn't, like, an accusation of plagiarism, I was still just like, this doesn't feel good, and it doesn't feel good when people think that you're, like, copying for some reason. And so I was wondering. Right, it takes the fun out of it too it takes almost the creativity out of it yeah and just like you know but also writers are you know we're just odd people sometimes and so it was a good learning process so okay what was your expectation going into the drama and how did it match your reality so you both had already watched it and could not stop raving about it so i had high hopes but i also knew that it was a quiet drama so i was a little scared Um, because we know that I don't do well with quiet dramas. And the reality is that this drama has my whole heart, and I loved it, and I was very surprised by how hard it hit me. Yeah, so Leah watched it first, and um, she said, you know, it is a quiet drama, and it's a little bit more of, like, a character study. And 
I was like, but she's like, I really think you would like it. And she sold it to me properly. Like, she was like, it's this guy, the the, the hero is kind of Nam Do San-ish from, um, oh my God. Startup. Startup, thank you, from Startup. And, uh, you know, there's a cat. And I was like, okay, so, I'll, you know, I'll give this a shot. And also... A lot of patrons had talked about this. Like, uh, the, there was like buzz about this. So I'm like, all right, I'll give I'll give it a shot. And I just expected to like to like it. And then it really hit me in all the feels. I just thought the way the episodes were crafted was so smart. The dialogue was so good. The kind of like voiceovers they do just I felt like impacted, you know, by like the storylines. And uh, the way the the way it was written, like it, cr- it crushes me that this uh, writer hasn't written something else because I, um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And that it was like, and that's when I went to Amy and I was like, okay, just you, like you're good now. You, you, because it's not just Leah <laughs> who loves who loves like the quieter dramas. It's me too, and you'll love yeah. it. So we have had this drama recommended to us so many times. And I decided to jump on it finally because I loved the actor who plays the hero, uh, Sehi Imin Ki. He was in My Liberation Notes and he ended up becoming like one of my favorite parts of My Liberation Notes. And so I went in that way and that's all I knew. I had no idea even starting it that Jung So Min was in it, who was my favorite part of Alchemy of Souls, basically. (laughs) And so that was a happy surprise. The first episode was pretty slapstick for my taste but i was like you know whatever i'm having fun let's go for it and then yeah look marriage of i just realized how much i haven't had a marriage of convenience trope and i loved it like i haven't seen a good marriage of convenience trope and i'm trying to like it has been a long time i have a comp actually for one and that's about how long it's been since i've watched one i couldn't even think of one when you asked for comps um, of a marriage of convenience comp, so. So, Amy, <laughs> me. what draws marriage, or <laughs> Amy, what draws audiences to the marriage of convenience trope in storytelling, and why is it an enduring theme in literature and media? Well, hopefully me speaking to why I think it is will appeal to other people. But this is, I think, you know, why it appeals to me. Um, And I think this trope hits me the same way that a fake relationship trope does. Like when two people enter into this sort of contract, and it literally is a contract in this drama, there's no pretense of who they are, at least in the beginning, right? They aren't trying to showcase only the best versions of themselves because they think it doesn't matter that they have like no motivation to impress the other person because their relationship isn't real. But in doing so, they unwittingly let their guard down. And when they do fall for each other, they fall for the genuine person, like loud snores and all. Aww. I I forgot about the (laughs) snoring. You're right. I loved it. As someone who snores, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm a big snorer. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not it comes and goes it comes and goes but yeah <laughs> um okay so megan how does the concept of pretending to be in a relationship challenge or play around with the traditional notions of love 
for me, the trope kind of takes away um, like any sort of power imbalance and puts the characters on a level playing field because, I mean, typically they're a team, so it's convenient for both of them. Um, and yeah, one isn't kind of holding power over the other. They're a team, they're equal, and then in that they um, find common ground, they start to fall in love, and I always love, like, obviously that turning point where they start seeing each other as, like, more than just sort of, like, a, quote, teammate, because that's how I look at Marriage of Conveniences. And Leah... How does the setting or cultural context impact the way the marriage of convenience trope is portrayed? Are there cultural variations in how this trope is used? So, yeah, I mean, I think always in a contemporary romance, like that marriage of convenience trope is going to be influenced by the cultural nuances and societal expectations of a specific setting. Um, In terms of because this is my first life, I feel like, they're layering it over the context of contemporary South Korean society and really exploring those like struggles and pressures that are faced by young adults in terms of having a house and like navigating a career and relationships. So when they're entering their contract marriage, it's to solve a very practical and very real problem, which is like respective housing and financial problems, which I think is something that could be faced by many other folks, not only in South Korea's kind of like competitive and expensive urban environment, but also folks living kind of anywhere where the cost of living is really high in terms of what you would expect to be making in your house or, you know, what you're trying to do in terms of setting yourself up for social advancement. Uh, so this drama has a lot of tropes. What is one trope you can find in the plot and what makes it such universal fantasy butter? So what I really loved about this drama, and we'll talk more about it as we get into the spoiler section, is that even though we had our main leads with Jiho and Sehi, we had an excellent like ensemble cast here and I loved the other couples. And so one of my favorites was the grumpy sunshine um, sort of trope with um, Suji and Sun- and Sangu who are um, Sehi's best friend and Jiho's best friend. And I love that it's a bit of a reversal with the female being the grumpy and the male being the sunshine. And this trope is always butter because you know, there's something behind the grumpiness that only the sunshine can bring out and the journey of finding out what that is always reels me in emotionally because it's usually a secret or a trauma that makes you see the grumpy in a very different light. And then by the end, at least in this drama, um, we get to see like the grumpy morph into the bright ray of sunshine. And that's so fun to see. Oh, we did. Uh, so for me, it's forced proximity. So forced proximity might be my favorite like trope of all time. And I would say marriage of convenience is kind of like forced proximity, like on steroids a little bit. Um, I just love the idea that these like two strangers have to be forced together and like get along. Um, It's why like I love like a good like snow, you know, put them, put a couple together in a snowstorm that don't that, you know, especially if they're enemies and make them have to be with each other nonstop and because to me like the kind of like the everyday things about each other is what's romantic like does she snore how does she take her eggs um what beer does he drink um does he 
like do they sit on the floor the couch to watch tv what do they watch like i love those like little things and so to put that into the marriage convenience where they're like you know and also too like they're they're forced to like play at intimacy which i absolutely love because like okay so like when do they choose to hold hands and then the like the like amazing like very cliche scene of you know they have to hold hands for show purposes but then they like don't unlatch hands and all of a sudden at you know then they realize they're it. still holding hands and they have to like yank their hands back and be like ooh ooh i don't i don't know my hands sweaty like mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole um that whole thing is it makes me so so giddy um yeah absolutely and then for me i just threw in opposites attract and you talked about the second lead so i'll just talk about the main leads quickly jiho and say he have very contrasting personality and outlooks on life and we have Ji Ho as like, you know, she is the writer and is expressive and emotional where say he as our IT guy is reserved and logical. So think about it kind of like Megan and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, basically. And so, yeah, as a result, they've got those like differences that create tension and then opportunities for personal growth. And I'm always going to like all these tropes, like the grump. And when you put together like a grumpy sunshine and honestly, the leads kind of echo oh, that. Oh, for sure. Too, 100%. Yeah. And then the forced proximity and the opposites attract. I mean, yes. All the way. Butter. Yeah. Universal fantasy. Butter. Gold. So, mm-hmm. Leah, what would you say is a comp to this drama? Because you found a marriage of convenience comp. So, yeah, I did. I went back to the last time I felt like I watched something. And I don't know if I'd say it, it was like marriage of necessity to some degree, but kind of convenience, which was Fated to Love You, which is a drama neither of you have seen. And I truly love it. And I wouldn't even say this is a quiet drama. It's a little campy. <laughs> um, but it is about like the couple who in episode one, through a series of unfortunate events, accidentally sleep with each other, thinking they are each another person and get pregnant. And then get married. <laughs> and um, that was the last time I felt like I'd watched. And I mean, so yeah, it's a little bit different than this. This is like a true marriage of convenience contract. And the other one, you know, they weren't, they had had sex once. It was just the accident and then had to get married because of the baby and reasons for that. Um, I still think Faded to Love You is, it's a fun drama. And if anyone ever gets the yen to watch it, I would love to pot about it. I know you've talked about it a lot, and every time you do, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to watch that. But Yeah, it's good. It's got the heroine from the, uh, the Go Back Couple. Oh, I love that drama. <laughs> All right, Amy, how about you? So I didn't, have, I didn't have a comp for Marriage of Convenience, but, like, for a, quiet, a quieter drama with an ensemble cast, I went to Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha, which is another one that I love. Um, I think... I think that because this is my first life is a lot quieter than Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha, but Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha at least is, um, there's not a, there's not like a murder going on along with it, you know, anything like that. Like it is mostly like the, the conflict comes from the hero's trauma, which takes a long time to learn about that. Um, but yeah, it was a great ensemble, like more than one, you know, romance going on. And I, I love that. I love when you get just as into the side characters as you do the main leads. 
I had a hard time thinking of a comp for this, and I think it's because I don't tend to watch, like, the quieter dramas, and everything I thought about seemed either too slapsticky or too, like, traumatic. Like, there's no tra- no real trauma. Well, there's a little bit of trauma. I mean, yeah. Thinks, there's a little bit of trauma. That's true. But, you know, it's no, like... You it's know, no rain. You... Yeah, it's no rain. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I just had a really hard time with a comp. I think your comps are good. All right. Well, now it's... I wonder... Oh, go ahead. Well, actually, question. Is it anything like be melodramatic? I mean, I'd say loosely. Be, you haven't seen that either, have you? No. So, yes, in terms of there being, like, the three good friends. Right. Um, That's what they don't thinking. all live together, which is kind of, like, part of the premise of be melodramatic to some degree. But, yeah, I would say it's in the same right. vein as that, which is another drama that, oh, my gosh. It's very... I love it. I mean... None of these are perfect dramas, let me say. Like, I mean, but it's rare for a drama to be perfect. But when I think of, like, things that have stuck out in my memory as being, like, even if in the end there's elements of because this is my first life that weren't absolutely perfect or be melodramatic that weren't perfect, I still am always going to think back and be like, that was a, I really enjoyed that drama. Yeah. I mean, just to say about because this is my first life is you get three couples. It's like three times the happiness. Like... I love that, you know, um, I love, you know, I realized that at first, at the very, very beginning, the plot really focuses, um, on the, on the main leads, but as the drama goes on, you get a lot of like the, the, the two secondary couples and they're, all of them are unique and fantastic and have, have different. You could even just like the friendship between the three women like there's a whole there's a whole like 20 minutes of an episode dedicated just to how they became friends and i love that yeah i mean i would almost like to do the bechdel test on this drama because they have a lot of conversations that have nothing to do with men Mm -hmm. but one thing that's a funny little like uh easter egg that has really nothing to do with anything but i'm just gonna throw it out there before we get into the uh little k-pop part is do you remember where say like where the leads where else have you seen those leads those exact leads where where have i seen like sehi and jiho before yeah are the actors playing them as a couple i don't know what's wrong with secretary kim they're the flashback parents stop it stop it how did you find that out I looked it up. I don't know. How did I not learn that? That's the kind of stuff that I yeah, figure out. That is a ticker tape Amy <laughs> thing to yeah, say. Yeah, I know. I felt very Amy. And here I thought I... That is... So that was like the beach scenes with them. That here I thought I had never them. seen Eamon Key in anything. Yeah, no. What's wrong with Secretary Kim? Oh my God, that's so cool. That's so cool. Oh, I, I love, love it. it. That's awesome. Thank you for that For that. Tip I like yeah. Easter so, eggs. Mm-hmm. Be up. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pivoting over to our favorite part of every episode, it is time for our K pop wreck of the week. And, Megan, what do you have for us this week? So, I am going to recommend the group, a debut group, a girl group, Kiss of Life. So, it is for female singers, and their debut song is just shh, you know, like shush up (laughs) um it's very fun very catchy 
Um, I love that there's a Korean American, there is, um, a woman from Thailand. So it's like a little bit of a, um, different group. And I just, I've seen some interviews with them and they're really personable. And the one singer, her name is Belle. She does these like whistle notes in this song, like Mariah Carey whistle notes. It's crazy. It's straight up crazy that she can sing like this. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. I love them and I really wish the best for these girls. I can't wait to see what they come out with next. So yeah, it is Shh by Kiss of Life. I like hearing you say Shh as a song title twice. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't know another way to say it. Like I was like, how should it's I say sh- it? But it's literally Shh. There should be no guilt or embarrassment about embracing the things that bring you joy, which is why the podcasts in the Studio Afterglow Network are tailor-made for you. Discover Afternoon of Delight, where three American writers examine Korean dramas through a writer's lens. Join Afternoon Army, a space for BTS fans over 30, looking for thought-provoking discussions and thirst-inducing content. Delve into the world of fruit with its bananas, where the fruit maven shares how tasting new and diverse fruits led her to self-discovery, joy, and connection. For Asian drama enthusiasts seeking answers, we bring you Afternoon Asks, where British, Chinese, and Korean-American hosts dive into all your Asian drama questions, including special episodes under Afternoon Asks ND, where neurodivergent straight talk and representation are prioritized, breaking down ableist perceptions. Studio Afterglow is just beginning, and we promise to keep delivering content that warms your heart and tickles your ears. Embrace your passions, find joy, and let us be your source of unabashed delight. All right, so let's flip over. We're in the spoiler section now, but I wanted to get into some of the Patreon hot takes because this was talked about a lot in the Patreon And a lot of folks had um, wanted us to see it. So, you know, if everyone wants to pull up some of the feedbacks, we can kind of talk through what some of the people, there's questions and comments. There's a lot of questions about the end. So we're going to, in our thoughts on the end, and we're going to get to that in a little while. So I think let's give that a break. Wait, wait, can I just, can I just read this one comment? She said, how many coats do these people own? And I do have to talk because the heroine had one suitcase that she dragged everywhere. (laughs) one suitcase but she had probably five she had so many coats. coats i am like she had so many coats where are you putting those coats girl where are you putting those coats about two coats would fit in that suitcase and nothing else but i mean that that is that is the k-drama wardrobe is there's a coat I just for every love it. occasion i ha- it i it's just it it did i was like she has a lot of her coats <laughs> um okay so here's one that was a question that also has an answer and so i'm going to do this one so one of our Patreon members, Jamie, wrote, I sent a question to Afternoona Asks. So shout out to one of our sister pods in our network um, about Because This Is My First Life. And the host, Grace, was kind enough to answer my question. In the show, the female lead and male lead end up as roommates because they hadn't met in person and multiple people misgendered their names. So I was wondering if their names were androgynous, kind of like a Pat or Jamie in, you know, English. Or if there was something else at work. Grace wrote, quote, each of the characters actually has misleading names. Jiho is more of a masculine name and say he is more of a feminine name. 
And then apparently Grace attached some screenshots that were visuals of data <laughs> because oh she's amazing. Oh my God, Grace even provided yeah. data? That's so, awesome. As you can see, a great majority of people named Jiho in Korea are men and even greater majority of the people named Sehee in Korea are women. Well, did you so, notice that you her go. her boss, like the senior writer, was named Sehee also? Like before she quit her writing job, her boss's name was also Sehee. I did not oh. notice that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Grace, because that makes that makes sense then. Mm, let's see what else. Um, this is a good one. It was very open about sex-related stuff, um, which I agree with. I actually thought that was really nice. I think the women had really refreshing uh, conversations, realistic conversations about, about sex, which was nice. Um and yeah, I do think it felt a little bit more forward in that way. So there were some people who were asking about um, the graduate, uh, and there were some like links because at the end they're on the bus, and I guess there's like a poster of the graduate in um, you know in the apartment or on her door. I did notice. That. I didn't. So, oh my gosh, I did. And I was like, huh, of all things. Yeah. And so I was trying to like, so I haven't watched The Graduate in a really long time, but I think Me that either. there's that idea of like, you know, there's some, there's some callback at work here. And I was like looking to try to see if I could just pull it out without rewatching um, The Graduate. But really it's just, I think at the end of episode four, we see the leads on the back of the bus in their wedding attire. And so that is like a nod to the female lead being a writer, mm. the same, the poster, the movie. I don't know if there's like something like super deep in terms of like, you know, there's no Mrs. Robinson or anything like that. But I think there's just a little bit of like a sweet catch is what my guess is. I don't think there's something like deeply plot connected. Yeah. Um, oh, so someone else said, is her suitcase a TARDIS? How does she fit all her things in there? <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. Dragging that one tiny carry-on size suitcase everywhere. Sorry, I'm pointing out the things that are. I think it might be pronounced TARDIS. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying because I've watched, I've watched some Doctor Who. So, I, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um. So again, I think a lot of um. This is about the ending, but somebody else wrote. Um. My favorite scene was actually the wedding. I really love this. That's why I'm reading it. Where Sehi finds Jiho sitting on the floor crying. He reads Ugh. the letter from Jiho's mother written to him that trigger the tears. In the moment, you don't know how he'll respond. But in true K-drama romance fashion, he takes his sweet time. And when he does, he plays every romance note with perfect pitch. And asking Jiho if she needs to cry some more. And then tells her they'll go together and I'll stay by your side. And that is the moment where their hearts truly meet and their story begins. I absolutely love that scene. Uh, it was it was one of my favorite scenes of the entire drama. It meant so much. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a question that addressed this. So I'll just say I, um, Kim Sung Young, who was we did a whole podcast on, was a scene stealer for me and because this is my first life and actually watching this was the reason that I was like guys we got to have a whole thing on Kim Sung Young and you you two were both like yes mm-hmm. absolutely she played this mother so well uh, just, there were just so many 
details about this mother-daughter relationship that just felt so real to me. And the mother-daughter scenes are the ones that made me cry the hardest. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I cried pretty hard at at those scenes. Um, I just... Uh, and it all links back to, to the romance, too. So, uh, you know, it's just... Kim Sung Young, this performance of yours just was amazing. Yeah, it was so good. Um, so I will say that most of the people, this one person thought that her wardrobe was from the Holly Hobby fashion line. <laughs> I saw it. it was very Laura Ingalls. Like, it, yeah, it was, I it was a lot. I loved it. I didn't dislike it, <laughs> but it was, it was interesting. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Um, so yeah, people have really strong feelings about the ending. Huh? Yeah. A lot of feelings. So I think let's just wait for that yes. to get to the yeah. end. But here's one okay. thing. Um, I did want to just call this one out, um, which was one person was like, not going to lie. A hundred percent watch this for Jung So Min. I cannot be alone in not liking the male lead for the first half. My God, I just wanted to slap him so much. Then he completely changed. I think it was when he came to rescue her and you got to see him behind the mask. So curious mm-hmm. because for me, that like very, so, and we're going to talk about towards the end too, um, you know, some folks have like, especially folks who are neurodivergent have felt like, say he was autistic. That was COVID. my first, and that was so, my first yeah, thought. That was my first thought. Um, I, I like a hero that has kind of a bit of a flat presentation sometimes. And so that for me was like a very, I didn't have a problem with it because that kind of like neurodivergent or just like a flatter type of presentation to me hits in like a romance trope universal fantasy space of like that button down hero that's kind of like not going to offer a lot emotionally kind of paired with war more of like a emotional feisty woman i i mean like that's kind of like an evergreen romance trope that i'm never gonna probably be sick of yeah, well, and I also think there's like a fantasy um, element of that, if you want to call it like the butter, um, of he's only going to warm right. up to you. Mm-hmm. So like you are going to be special because the, the only person who can break through that flat mask is like the woman he loves or whatever. Um, I did think it was funny because you messaged me and you're like, is Neil like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, he can be. Like, I would say this is an exaggerated version. Like, say he was a, an exaggerated version of Neil. But do you remember he, they had that, like, employee board. And it was like, they had to answer what they like and what they dislike. Yeah, he's like, I and dislike. Say he, I like, yeah, I like my cats and my house, which, like, that's what Neil would say. And his dislikes are things like this. And that is exactly <laughs> what Neil would say. He does not like any sort of that, like, that, like team building he doesn't want to do a warm a warm check-in icebreaker (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not his his one company used to have um this like talent show like once a year and like everyone was supposed to like sign on and like watch it and neil like loathed it because he's just like this is this is just because i was like aren't you gonna participate (laughs) and he's like abs like absolutely not so um, he can be very flat to other people, um, but I would say now that he's older too, he's he's much better. I would say I I think I told you I said say he to me would be Neil if like we never if I never met him. Maybe I just think I hold more power. Like than you, I do, you and like, the kids uh, helped like you know yeah. crack that egg. But I, I I mean was he hard to warm up to? Yes, but that's what made the sh- like 
that's what kept me watching because I'm I'm waiting for yeah. him to break. Yeah. Like I'm waiting for that moment for him for that mask to fall off. And the other thing too is like sometimes we do have like for me, I loved him in my liberation notes. Like loved oh. him. And so I was already willing to forgive basically anything in this because I'm like, I love you already, even though you're a different character. I am like already warmed up to you. So I think that read kind of like helped shape my perspective too. He also has such a masculine face in a way that, you know, sometimes in these dramas we get kind of like, you know, pretty boy, like idol looking Mm -hmm. um, male leads. And so I did like the like very masculine, like, square jaw he's a good looking well, he's a good looking man <sighs> yeah i mean model but jiho i mean look i freaking i do too <laughs> i was so excited i wanted to be i was so excited her, to yeah. get to see her again because i miss her me too and honestly i wanted to be in that friend group. they were amazing i, I loved, loved them and yeah. i loved like they had they, they all had three completely different personalities and I just loved what they brought out in each other, and they were they were so fun. I also liked that they fought. Yeah, like they had a fight, mm-hmm. and I was like, and it, and it was a fight that felt real. Mm-hmm. It, it like there were hurt feelings. Neither wanted to kind of like um, be the one to have to say sorry because they, they both they felt their the other feelings were hurt, and they they both felt wronged, and just everything about it. This drama just. <sighs> It just felt so real in a way that I, yeah, I felt like I could have known any of these. Who has a pen in their hand right now? Me. Sorry. (laughs) It's been clicking this whole time. (laughs) So in in terms of talking about what was real and relatable, something that I did want to talk about just a little bit was um, the role of Jiho's parents in her life and their influence on her decisions regarding love and marriage. And so, look, I know we all come from different backgrounds and different, you know, families of origin. Um, But, like, what did you feel like you saw that was relatable in terms of your own or more specifically, like, your parents' marriage or marriages? I, so, what really hit me, we're in the spoiler section now, right? I can say that everyone. So, what really hit me was the conversation that Chiho had with her mom when she said that she was going to get divorced, they were at the hospital after her brother just had the baby um, and they had like some quiet time to talk, just mom and daughter. Um, and so what really kind of hit me was when Jiho's mom, um, again, played by the inimitable Kim Sun young talks about star pockets. Stop. I, I know well, this conversation. I know. I know open. this. Okay. So Jiho brings up this memory she has of when she was 10 and her mom left her dad, like physically left, like took the kids and went to stay with her parents. And she's like, why didn't you divorce dad then? And her mom talks about how she thought about leaving him, but then remembered their dating years and how passionately like over the moon for each other they were. And she knew that if she left him, she'd always long for him because she would always remember those little moments of the relationship, which she called star pockets when things were bright and beautiful and they were so in love. And she explains that to her, that that's what marriage is, collecting the star pockets and hanging on to them when things seem to dim. And I loved this. And being someone who is divorced, who is a child of divorce, like that is the kind of thing that I long for. And that's the kind of thing that I 
want to see in a relationship that has longevity is that it's not always going to be like it is when you first get together. But if you can hold on to those little moments, oh, God, I fucking loved it. And it was this such such this beautiful conversation. But then it ended with some levity, which I loved as well, because she's like, well, what should mm-hmm. Jiho was like, well, what should I tell dad about getting divorced? <laughs> and her mom's like, nothing. Like, don't even tell him. <laughs> like, you're on your own. It was really cute. Yeah. But just, I mean, that, like, oh, you know, this tiny little scene, and that is probably the, one of the biggest standout scenes for me in the entire drama. Yeah, and again, it's between yeah. Jiho and her mom, mm-hmm. because Kim Song-young yes. is a goddess. True. Um, yeah, so I would say, like, when I was in high school, I kind of had, like, a traumatic relationship, and so his reaction to every time we would have a disagreement is okay we're gonna break up we need a break and so i kind of took that with me into like future relationships where i was like oh a fight means like you just break up um even though my parents are still together and i've seen them work through things i think i was like i don't know Uh, i think well i was a teenager and i was working through things and then i met neil and I remember we'd have these disagreements and I'd like either make a joke about breaking up or I'd be like, well, maybe, you know, we should take a break. And he like, even I was I'm kind of impressed now at 18, he kind of like looked at me at one point and was like, this, you can't like, you need to take breaking up off the table. Like kind of like you need to like, that can't be the immediate response. We have to actually have a fight and then have a resolution. Like, there has to be a full circle moment. We can't just, like, have a fight, break up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, <laughs> this is a novel idea. <laughs> and to this day, it's like, ever since then, we, 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 we never did break up. Because it was like, then we were like, okay, so we have this argument. And then we're going to, like, work through it and, like, come to some sort of solution or some sort of, like, compromise. Mm-hmm. And we still do it. And we we fight sometimes. Or, obviously, we fight. All couples do. And we fight in front of the kids because we make up in front of the kids. And so, I don't know. I hope that they don't fall into, like, bad relationships in, in high school that, like, mm-hmm. give them trauma. Um, but I hope they see that, you know, we, we come to solutions. Um, yeah, you can't well. never fight, right? If you never fight, then nobody, no. then basically you're with somebody who doesn't care or you don't care. Like you have to, you have to fight, right, but like exactly. you have to stick around for the resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just like, was like, oh, I had like trauma from this relationship. And I was like, you know, I, I, you know, and eventually he had to be like, it also hurts my feelings that <laughs> you keep like, yeah, just trying to like break up every time. And I was like, I'm so, you know, I was, again, I was like 18. Mm-hmm. Come on, you know, but babies yeah so i as i was thinking about this i actually decided to change what i'm going to talk about so i'm going to go into the way way back and i'm actually not going to talk about my parents or myself even though this was my question <laughs> i know right? so i'm going to talk about my great-grandfather and here's why because i was thinking about like the discussion of like the patriarchy in the home and again, like, just like that, like, echo to the fact that, like, patriarchy shows up in many different cultures, all cultures, basically. And um, and so the lens I'm going to go through is my um, my Italian, and I mean, like, full Italian, born in Italy, great-grandfather. And by the time I met him, my great-grandmother was dead. He was old. I'm the oldest grandchild on the Italian side. And so, you know, we had probably 12 years together 
Um, but he was, you know, he was very old and I thought he was like, you know, ancient. But he had this thing where he would come to visit us in the summer. He would drink some red wine and whiskey. And then he would recite this poem called The Face on the Barroom Floor. And then he would break into hysterical, very emotional tears. This old Italian man in his chair. And it would be because it reminded him of his wife. And I would think that's really sad. He must have really loved her. Like how, what a sad little, like, you know, thing this is we do every summer. And then I got a little older and my grandpa, who also was very, 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 well, 100% Italian, incredibly patriarchal. He let it slip to me when I was older and talking to him that my great grandfather was actually not very nice to my grandma, my great grandma, like very much Mm -hmm. probably like the dad in the drama that, you know, we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And so he Mm -hmm. would yell at her. He would, you know, put her down. He didn't, you know, the man of the house. He was the man of the house, man of the house. My grandpa, even though he was casting judgment on his father, very much in the same vein. And I just found it interesting to be like, and then the woman passes away and you're going to like idolize and do this poem and this whole thing of like whatever. And so it's always struck me. And sometimes when I have fights with my husband, I'm like, I will not be the person you cry about, (laughs) you know, later when like I had to deal with all this shit. And then I'm like, you're a queen in the afterlife. It does me no good (laughs) to be the queen in the afterlife. But anyway, that's what I was thinking about. Because I was like, this dad would totally do that. Be like a total dick and then at the end be like this like oh like I've loved and lost and meanwhile the mom was like fuck you from the grave. (laughs) Meanwhile Neil's great grandfather said to his wife who had kids at home uh, I'm gonna go get a pack of cigarettes and she said okay and he never came back. Ugh. And he started a whole new life. Oh my god. Ugh. How can you even marry somebody was like, oh, like, tell me about yourself. Well, you know, whatever. So I got this I older. My wife and kids but... never even divorced her. Like, fucking crazy. I wouldn't be like, yes, you definitely let me go for you. Oh, God. Families are so weird. Totally. I have a great grandfather. I mean, this is worse in segue territory, but just to wrap it up quickly, who I had grown up being told he was kicked in the head by a horse and died. He, I did family history, found out that he was a bigamist and he was Canadian, had a wife he never divorced in Canada, married my great grandma while he was still married, got her pregnant. She divorced him for cruelty and then he died of syphilitic madness. Oh, good God. Wow. <laughs> that is a wild ride. And I was like, That's... wild and definitely not kicked in the head by a horse. But thank you, right, Ancestry.com. No. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) who should sponsor our podcast okay so that being said how do one of you (laughs) want to talk at all about the symbolism of the characters personal spaces in the drama and how they reflect their personalities and desires sure i would love to (laughs) thanks amy you're welcome (laughs) so yeah i know i love i love questions like this so i i went to town on it so yeah yeah and you wrote like a proper like thesis it's lovely (laughs) I, I read this and I was like, of course, this is so Amy. And it's good. It's I was good. like, what else do we have to say? <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, why did not say take one? So I went, yeah. No, no, no. no, no, no. It was it's perfect. Perfect. Okay. perfect. 
Yeah. So here's what I wrote. Sehu's <laughs> <laughs> space is neat and tidy, everything in its place, which is how he liked his life. He thought if he could keep everything in a neat little box that he'd never get hurt and that he would never hurt anyone he, he loved again. Jiho had very little, except for apparently a lot of coats. A okay. lot of coats. She had very little, but she didn't need a lot to be happy. Just to find her own star pockets, both personally and career-wise. Um, and that was all she really needed. So I thought that was really cool that like she fit in a room, right? She, her whole life fit in a room. Yeah. yeah. Suji's personal space wasn't revealed until closer to the end because she didn't let Sangu see it. Or all of her until she was ready to open up. And it was kind of chaotic, which I liked because she was very put together. That's what we got to see. But like when then you get into her apartment and there's like shit everywhere and that's fine. Like she was a, you know, a busy person and she had a chaotic life. And then Horang and Wan Suk's rooftop apartment was complete chaos. <laughs> As were they. Yeah, it was. And it all kind of ties into the Room 19 symbolism, which somebody had asked about in the Patreon. And then I looked it up, and it's actually not a very happy story. Like, mm-hmm. it's a Doris Lessing short story, and the woman mm-hmm. in Room 19 ends up taking her own life. Because um, I looked up, like, what was more of the story about. But just this idea that all of them had this, like, secret compartment, right, of, of their identity. And they didn't let people into that room until they could trust that they could show that part of them. And that was something that held true for all of them. So even though mm-hmm. the story, the actual story itself, um, it's called Two Room 19, which is actually a book of short stories by Doris Lessing. The actual Two Room 19 story is about trying to find something that is just yours, an identity that is just yours. And especially when you are a wife and a mother and, you know, you're living in a chaotic house and this is coming from the story that to be able to find something that is just yours is, could be something as simple as I just have this room and this is where I go and I do nothing in it because I just get to be. Um, And all of them had these little compartments where they just got to be them until they were ready to, mesh that with somebody else yeah i loved it and so just yeah and talking a little bit more about room 19 like what it was was like put the fu- put the pen down i've got the pen i have a i have a slap oh my <laughs> god what is the matter with you guys <laughs> you think nobody's gonna hear a fucking slap bracelet gonna come to both of your houses and staple your hands to your desks while you're podcasting i like a fidget okay. fidgeting is great oh. when you're on mute yeah i get it i get it so essentially what i was trying to get at with the room 19 because i found this to be impactful because i myself have a room 19 although it's not secret so i have an apartment on campus that i very much value at the moment and it is my space to go to um But I thought it was really interesting that, like, you know, the main character of this book, Susan Rawlings, she goes to room 19 because when she's there, she can just, like, shed every, all her ego and just kind of, like, be who she is really. And she's, like, the imposter or the fake when she goes home. And eventually her husband starts to be like, where is she going? And then, like, figures out what it is and that she's going somewhere. And he assumes she's having an affair, 
because he's a dude and, you know, is less imaginative. Sorry, dudes. And (laughs) she ends up just saying yes, because it's easier to be like, yeah, I'm having this torrid affair than be like, I just want to go somewhere and feel like myself. And then when she finds out that, like, then he's like, well, I'm having an affair, too. And then she realizes, like, you know, basically, like, what have what are we like? What is this world that we live in? And that's when she, you know, does that you know, ends her life and completes a suicide, which is a bummer. But I was thinking about just like how much we all need to have. I mean, my room 19 is very important to me and internally and physically as a space. I feel like this is kind of mm-hmm. my room 19. Hmm. I was yeah. just going to say that. I, I was like, ah, the podcast mm-hmm. is kind of my room 19. And yeah, it's not secret. But it's it's where I feel like I can just like say the things that are on my mind because what I would say like lying in bed watching pot, watching K dramas that's yes. also my room nineteen so like that and then expressing how I feel about what I just watched that's like my absolute happy place. Hmm. All right, so two more questions before we wrap up today. Both important. One is. Did the second leads in this drama ever take over as being your favorite? Okay. Yeah. Ho Rong and Wansuk. I. <laughs> this like chaotic rooftop couple. I swear to God. Wansuk was just. Oh my God. He, he, he did that thing where he kind of played pitiful well in a way. But then I also love... It's because he's always pouting with those beautiful lips. Like, he can't unpout. Oh, beautiful lips. Beautiful. I know. To me, I felt their history. Like, I don't know how... Like, how does a couple do that? Where, like, they come on the screen, and I was like, yes, they've been together for, like, eight years. Like, I can feel the history between them. And I could feel so much weight to their conversations. That was in, like, a stark contrast to... um, Jiho and say he, which like how I don't know how they how were that's so accomplished, good. but it was, and their like like their breakups, their fights, they kind of had a few. I'm I cried so hard. I mean, I was like sobbing, whimpering. The I, one when they were at the play, I lost it. The what like oh yeah, the I play lost it. lost it, absolutely lost it. There's something about there's something about a realness of a conversation where they both realize they want different paths. And I guess that you know, I didn't cr- there's no misunderstanding that for the you know, in that in that in that like uh penultimate breakup scene there's no yeah, there's no misunderstanding. They know each other and they know what each other wants. But it's not the same. And that was... So heartbreaking. So hard to watch because it also was just very real. Like, I think not everyone just has this, like, massive fight and then they break up. Like, a lot of times it's it's something that's, like, slow building like that. Um, so when they did get back together... Oh, my God. I just... I think I would have died. Some people are mad that they did. Some people are mad that they got back together. So so I have to say, I'm not mad. 
but I expected it to be a real breakup and I wasn't I was sad about it but I was also like that makes sense and I wasn't upset that they got back together but I would have been okay with them being I'm glad that I'm I'm glad they were like some people think that they should have found other people but I think for me when they were exploring very lightly other people I think is when they realized that they have the star pockets with each other and they have like mm-hmm. the really, they have the times right. where it's not all bright and shiny, but you know, when she was taking all the pictures off the bulletin board, when she was packing up and moving out, I'm like, that's all of their good times, right? Like they need to remember. Right. And I, and I think one suck had to realize that too. Cause he, he was like, he was like, I can't move forward cause we're going to be miserable. Right. If we move forward, we're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And I think he had to come to the realization that, like, and this is where there is a little bit of like the fantasy space that I loved is that he like he came to a conclusion like oh we ha- like essentially we have enough star pockets, love between us like is enough and we can like we won't be miserable, and so at the end when they were like married with a baby I just wanted to I just I just oh my god yeah the best it made me best. super I happy so much I like so don't come at me if you're right a whole wrong and one suck couple hater don't come at me because i love yeah. them don't talk to I'm me not a co- you can you can yes. message leah about it do not message me because i will cut you off so here's i just find it to be interesting because look i liked them but i was also like oh when they broke and like when they got back together then i will say out of the three they were my <gasps> least so i found it very interesting because to me sangu and suji were the mvp mvp couple i loved the them too drama. i didn't love them any more or less no, i, I them, was more invested in them honestly than anything else by the end see this is we're gonna get to this but i think there was a part <laughs> ho wrong and wansak kind of took over for me and maybe that's why the ending for the for mm. you know the quote main leads mm-hmm didn't make me so angry same because i was like so invested i got yeah i didn't i think that's a great explanation i guess i didn't feel like the whole drama was hinging on just that one couple to me that was just another story in the drama and i was still getting fed from like these other couple and i knew they were gonna uh, well i guess we can get to that yeah so i just wanted to say songu to me by the end look say he i mean <laughs> like yeah, and you know, no, but Songu is. Yes. I mean, cinnamon roll, marshmallow, dreamboat. If I had to pick right. like an ideal type of personality, like if I could be like, what in my like at my age now, as I think about like what feels evolved and good. I mean, this is a fantasy man, but I am into it. <laughs> and right. so, don't you just want like a like a like a happy feminist who like standing in the Wonder Bra store as you pick up samples, like yeah, but also is yeah. like competent yes. and good at what he does, and also doesn't need you to validate him. He is there like as his like he is very secu- like part of what makes Sangu so good to me is he. Like, he wrestles with some of, like, that, like, you know, at first when... When she's braless. Yeah, or when she pretends that she doesn't remember their night together. And he's like, but I thought it was, like, such a thing or whatever. But he doesn't get talk... I mean, he doesn't get gross about it, really. No. He... Mm -mm. 
and he becomes what I would imagine. Like, I mean, I just loved everything that he did with it. And then Suji, I just really love that she played more of like an ice queen type character, yes. which I think is an interesting mirror against, Ugh, you know, where we so see good. like the female lead. However, I love that she was independent. I love that she was willing to challenge societal norms. And it reminded me a little bit, honestly, of me saying where she's just dealing with the bullshit all the yep. time. And be, me saying really kind of like deals with that. And especially one of the female characters in the office who really has to like bear the brunt of this. And I just enjoyed that she was also trusted to handle business. Like Songu wasn't like he was going to stand by her side, but he was like, you've got this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And she, I, 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 I loved her. I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was beautiful. Yeah, I have a crush on her. At, like I've, the end where she like whips well, off the yeah, say, when he gets on When he gets on the motorcycle and puts on the pink helmet behind her, like I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have a crush on her like so big good. time. I had a crush on her in Black Knight. Like I. Me too. I wanted her hair in Black Knight. Now I want her hair in Because This Is My First Life. Like she's just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Mm. She is. I, I, I love, I mean, I, I can't, I yeah. love them all. I did. I mean, that it's why the drama was so good for me. I, I, you know, sometimes I want a drama that's just like all in on one couple, just give it to me. But this drama, I, I was, I guess I was in the mood for that, for like multiple couples who just had such interesting stories. You know, it's mm-hmm. done right when you're watching a scene and you're not wishing it would get back to a different couple. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's very true. So now with the time we have remaining, the biggest yeah. thing that has happened on the Patreon that I've seen and just in general conversation is the ending being very controversial. So I want to, read I love the word controversial a- being used for this like fluffy <laughs> ending. <laughs> Okay, but that lasted like one episode. Look, I, I want to like, go what? into this because we have one Patreon member who's talked about this repeatedly, and it's really impacted okay. them. And I think it's actually okay. like I think I have some really... thoughts. So I'm, I'm That's yeah. Okay, so, um, so for one of the Patreon members, I'm just gonna re- basically read one of her comments because she's mentioned this drama a few times, and I know she's eager for it to be talked about, especially the ending. Okay. So, um. She says, my husband and I really identified with them, them being like the leads. He's introverted and probably on the autism spectrum and socially anxious. He said he felt like he was say he. So we were really invested and we'd rewatch scenes with the Vicky comments turned on and everything. And then that happened and I felt so horrible and betrayed that I cried. I hissed at her whenever she showed up on screen after that. We call it the Voldemort show now because it is the show that must not be named. Oh my God. We don't get as emotionally invested into shows anymore without checking for spoilers about the ending and making sure that if there is an ending separation, it at least makes sense and is handled well. If it is currently airing, we wait for the end because we will decide if it's before we decide if it's a good show or not for us. Breakup and separations at the end feel like fouling on purpose at the end of a basketball game you're losing to me. It doesn't make sense. I have never seen it work and result in victory. It makes the score worse and it's evidence you failed. And this was the worst, most pointless ending separation I've ever seen over hundreds of dramas. I'm not done. I've got two more paragraphs. Our top favorite ones without separations. Well, except Goblin, but there it makes 
our, our top favorites are ones without separations. Well, except Goblin, but there it makes sense. But Strong Woman, Dobong Su, Mystic Pop-Up Bar, and From Now On, Showtime are our other top three that don't have separations. Also, Inspector Koo is in the top list, but it didn't have a couple to separate. And so basically, um, at the end, they had one other edit that they threw on, which was, like I said, my husband said he felt like he was say he. I have been very happily married to him for 21 years. I have never had to be extremely cruel to him to understand that he cares about me. So yeah, but then I am probably also on the autism spectrum. So maybe Jihoo was on some neurotypical or at least not vibing with the autism stuff when she thought abandoning him would be good for the relationship. I totally understand that view of it. Absolutely. Because here is my thought on it. When, so I also, I don't love the separation things at the end of dramas if it doesn't have a point. And I feel like if she needed to go and find herself more, then all the power to her. And I thought that's what she was doing. I thought she was going on some big trip, just like say he did. To Mongolia. I didn't think it was Mongolia, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought she was going to go on a trip and like do, she said, I've never traveled on my own before. And I thought maybe she would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't. She just went to the sauna with Harang so, and was staying, you know, at a boarding house, which was, was weird. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. are you doing? That was weird yeah. to me. And then yeah. made him a cake and decided to go back. Um, but I also do see it. Yes, I did think he was autistic coded when I first started watching it. Like, that's that made sense to me. But I also then do see her as having a very, her as in Jiho, not, not the patron. Jiho is having a very neurotypical view of him and not understanding. And just seeing it from her point of view, all she wanted was for him to express how he felt. And I don't know if that would have happened if she didn't leave. I'm not saying that I like that she left, but I don't like, I'm glad he got pissed at her. Like, I'm glad he yelled at her, right? Like, he's like, you were just like around the corner. Like, what the hell? Like, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like where she went was stupid. Why she went, I think, made sense to her. Um, but I also do see it as being possibly cruel. Yeah, I felt like she didn't respect his room 19. No. And so I think that is the bummer. But then I'm like, and then she like crawls into bed. I mean, I do think it made sense that she let, broke the contract. I think that had to happen. But this part's weird. Here's what I think is funny, though, because, and like not funny haha, but funny like, huh, that's weird. Is that when I watched it, the ending didn't super bother me. And that's funny, weird, because the Coffee Prince one, <laughs> I was pissed yes. and that was like way less bad you're right you're right and i think that tonight is the first time i really understood why and i think it's because at that point i had pivoted to having so much more investment in you know the couple i just talked about that i was kind of like look it's not great but i also was kind of in a place of like i was just kind of watching for fun sorry i did my snap right <laughs> Um, but I think it was that I was like very invested in that second couple that I'd kind of like let go of 
it just kind of felt like it was like a drama drama as opposed but I can see especially if you're feeling like you really identify with it and you're like this feels like yes. I would find this so yes. personally cruel that made me be like yeah okay that that's a very legitimate take because I I also think like going back to the room 19 thing and, and her she, you know she said all she wanted was for him to express how he felt but she never told him that yeah <laughs> <laughs> she could have told him that and things could have gone differently but again, I wasn't yeah, I wasn't I mean, I, mad um, because I did like everything else. Right. And writers fuck up. Yeah. That's also, I guess I think I have sometimes where it's like, you know, it felt to me like I gave a pass and that I was like, you're juggling many plot lines. You weren't sure what to do. You kind of screwed the pooch. And I think I was more mad maybe in Coffee Prince because I was so invested in that through line at the end so much that at the end I was just like, what the fuck? Whereas this one, I was less. But listening to the feedback made me be like, yeah, yeah, that isn't fair. No, I do. I like, I, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that patron for writing that because it, it has me seeing it in a whole, whole new light. I still love the drama, but I totally respect mm-hmm. that point of view and understand it better now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I respect that perspective too. I mean, I think part of the issue with me is that, or why it didn't it didn't affect me that way, is I'm just so used to like a breakup at the end, mm-hmm. either in romance books or K dramas love to do it. And I guess, honestly, I think I looked at how much time was left mm-hmm. on that drama, and I was like, they're gonna have a separation. Mm-hmm. They're just they're gonna find a way to do it. And they did it. Yes. And I was like, okay. So I think it was part of that I was looking at it. I wasn't as emotionally invested in them at that stage. Because I was like, okay, I felt like they were at the point where they'd get through it. And I was so... I was so hooked on Ho Rong mm-hmm. and Wong Suck at that point. That I, and, and, and actually the other couple too. That again, I so... Yeah, it wasn't like I was so focused on only this one relationship to carry like the entire plot because it was just a little bit more of like a rounded cast and I think that's why it didn't it didn't affect me like that um and we didn't see ourselves think, as much I mean and that's the thing is yeah, that I think I also, if you're seeing yourself there and you're really projecting in like I really identify right. with this and so then you're gonna see these like reactions and be like oh my gosh I would feel like so devastated right. if this happened right. to me and so i wasn't seeing myself as say he really same. yeah same same and i also think like she she might have made like she made a mistake too and he kind of told her that mm-hmm. like uh, like you can't put do the this bracelet the down put not. it down <laughs> um i mean obviously like uh as someone who married who i married um there are times where like our communications are just on totally different planes and to get them on the same plane is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee I have made mistakes, um, like Jiho did. Um, and I mean, not like that. I didn't leave and go to Asana (laughs) with my friends, but I'm just saying like, I think that that also, you know, she learned. I think she's learning. I was going to say, I was going to say, I think she's learning because like the fact that they, they still do the contract because that's what makes him comfortable. They still do the contract mm-hmm. and they revisit it right. like all the time. I think that she learned from that. And so I want to see it as that she realizes she did wrong by him and that she's getting better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how I look at it. But again, if I was super emotionally invested in that couple and really saw, um, yeah, like if, if I saw myself and say he and someone liked it, I, I can totally see how I'd be like, all right, I hate this drama yeah, now. It's like, a betrayal. totally get it. That's, yeah, yeah, it would feel like a betrayal. And I see that. And I think that that is obviously valid. I just these are, I guess, the reasons why the three of us didn't. didn't yeah. And I mean, I identify as neurodivergent, but I'm not autistic. And so I think again, like if you're having that lived experience, I really see how that can hit you in some kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah. But thank you for sharing. And I, that's why I love our Patreon. I love that we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we will talk more. Maybe we should have a whole episode on dramas on romances that don't have a separation. There's no third act breakup. <laughs> we would have like two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of one right now. I mean, there are some. I know. I, I think the, I think I just, the one. I mean, business proposal. I yeah, hated that. I think the one that, one of the ones that I think is the best is the very first one, which is crash landing on you. Like there was a very good reason yeah. for that separation. And it wasn't a separation though. Where no, like, no, no. Fight. It was just mm-hmm. literal That's like thing. Yeah. governmental separation. Yeah. Governmental. <laughs> Geopolitical <Yes>. buzzkill. <laughs> okay. Um, we're Well, really quickly, let's yeah. wrap this up, but let's just everybody say a drama that they're watching because we haven't done that for a while. And Can I close. really quickly just say we never mentioned Kim and Q in this? And I would just like to give a shout out to Buck Nam. <gasps> <gasps> yes, let's do that. Okay. B- Buck Nam with the, he likes to wear pink and he has And he's not, so a he yeah, a, he's not a stalker. Yeah, he's not a stalker killer. I, I am so glad he was because not he was adorable. I was going to be really upset. Like who? D- I was I, honestly. I was going to. I was going to message Sarah and be like, "This is you need to tell me if Kim Min Q is going to be like a killer in a drama. Yeah. Like you should have prepped me. I yeah. should have trusted. No. Her. So let's just like he didn't get a shout out. I wish there was more Buknam in this drama, and that's all. He was yes. so cute. He was. Ador- he was so He's cute. adorable. He's in the military now too. Oh. Oh, Gotta wait. He'll come out buff. Okay. Okay. So, what are you watching? I just start. And we'll I go. just started my Lovely Liar episode one. I'm gonna go watch episode two after this. Love it. Um, I am also watching my Lovely Liar. I absolutely freaking love it. I have to catch up. Two more episodes. Um, and I do just want to say real quickly that I watched mask girl Mm -hmm. um i did talk a bit a bit about it on our instagram and in our patreon but i just want everyone to know if you haven't started it yet i just feel like i'm doing like a public duty um it is very violent and we're talking like sexual violence Hmm. and i feel like that was not something i was prepared for um it's an absolute wild ride i think in the end uh, it was like with Little Women in the end. I was really only rooting for like the innocent children mm-hmm. to like Hi. survive. Everyone else, I was like, "You're all messed up." I mean, it was it was absolutely insane, and it took <laughs> our beloved older brother from Reply <gasps> 1988. Oh, they made him like. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, just I I I am like oh, upset. No. I saw one that way. No, no. They made him horrible. So anyway, I just brace yourselves. I just, I think it's very triggering. I don't, I, it is not for everyone. Someone on Patreon 
when I explained a little bit more about it, they go, okay, I don't think that's for me. And I was like, I watched the whole thing and I don't think it's for me either. <laughs> so, okay, that's, that's all I just, I just feel like I need to give a preface. Well, now I'm curious. Yeah, because I, yeah, I mean, I, I, could I, I binged it like crazy. I could not put it down. Um, but it is, it is wild. Absolutely wild. I do also quickly want to point out that neither Leah nor Megan realize that the lead in uh, My Lovely Liar is Kim Sun from Goblin. So, Kim Shin's sister. <laughs> okay, yeah, Kim Shin's sister. I did not know. I didn't. And she is fantastic. My Lovely Liar is honestly freaking fantastic. So, and what are you watching, Leah? I'm watching My Lovely Liar. I started it before oh, okay, you did. Right. Because I'm still not watching. <laughs> because this is my see you uh, in my nineteenth life. life. And look, shout out again anywhere I can put it. Although I am devastated that I, I'm watching Personal Weatherman. It's a JBL. I watched the first two episodes. It's freaking wild. And then it was like no more episodes for two weeks because there's some like sports Ugh. ball thing messing it up. But sex contract. Two words. Also, Intrigued. the uh, Dom, I guess you could say, is the weatherman. So the artist who's at home being uh, essentially fed and cared for to participate in the sex contract watches the weather, watches him giving the weather. And how the weather is will show what kind of night he's going to be having. Stop it. <laughs> Did I just sell you <laughs> on is, it? Yeah, where is it? It's this? on Vicky. Vicky. And okay. they're only like 28 minutes. Sign me up. Sign me up. I mean, I started, I was like, is this a Allison RBL whisper? I think I plugged it last week too. I'm just very okay. taken by the whole thing. Even though it's like, I want 47 minutes of it. I'm like, right. Sex man, sex contract with a weatherman. I did not know yeah. I needed this in my life. Yeah. I've only watched two episodes. I do like my lovely I liar. I love it. Though. Yeah. My lovely liars. I'm, I'm really when we were in London Sarah was like look my main goal is to convince you to watch my lovely liar and I was like I mean sold like you don't have to work very hard and so I messaged her uh once I got home and could finally watch it and I was like you were right this is freaking good so all right well on this note welcome back from your travels abroad thank everybody for listening Leah Yeah. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> we are here, and I will not be clicking off until you've had a chance to also say goodbye. <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you okay. next time. Annyeong. Annyeong. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!